Thank you so much for having us here today. And this is actually my wife and I's first time in the Panhandle of West Virginia. We uh, we came in last night, and uh, we're here till tomorrow. We're enjoying the beauty of the winter. We live in Dallas, Texas, so basically, what you see. For only part of the year, we see most of the time. And so, but at least some things are blooming uh, in Dallas right now, and, and we're having a great time while we're with you. I also want to thank you so much for allowing Pastor Everett to go with us last November. One of our goals uh, as, uh, as trainers of pastors is to get other pastors involved and uh, let them just let them see what the need around the world really is for pastors and for women as well. And a, a few months before we left last November, I called Pastor Everett. He had expressed an interest in going with us. And I said, hey, I'm going to the Dominican Republic where we usually go at least two to three times a year. Uh, would you like to go with us? And he said, yes, I really would like to do that. And I said, okay, great. I um uh, I've got a topic that I need for you to approach uh, that is kind of sensitive and the pastors really need to hear from somebody. And now I could have taught this, uh, but I thought, well, maybe I'll give Pastor Everett the opportunity to do this. And, uh, and, I, and so he said, uh, so what would you want me to teach? I said, well, conflict management. And, uh, and he said, you know, it's really interesting that you asked me to do this because I just finished a class on this just a few weeks ago. And I said, you're it. <laughs> I'm really glad. And he did a great, great job helping uh, to the pastors understand what conflict's all about. And in our ministry around the world, and especially in the Dominican Republic, Guatemala, Zambia, and Zimbabwe, we are training people who do not have any experience whatsoever. Many of them are very, very young in Christ, and they have actually uh, been chosen maybe by 50, 100 people, and they've said, you know, we love you, we, you know, you've got a Bible, um, we don't have a Bible, uh, we'd like for you to be our pastor. And so... Uh, they feel the call of God on their lives, and they're doing their very best. But you know, at times, it's very, very discouraging when you're trying to lead a church, maybe of a hundred or more, and you really have not had any kind of training. So, uh, it's our privilege to be a blessing to others. Uh, and as Everett said, I was a pastor for. 30 years before becoming a missionary. And, and then God kind of molded all of that together and said, Steve, I'm pushing you out into the world to train pastors. And so we're thrilled to be able to do that. The theme of the missions conference this week is uh, so good seed because the world's in need. And I would put to you that the world is in an emergency. We really, in the United States, probably don't sense that unless we've done a lot of traveling overseas. But the world is in a crisis. And here in the United States, uh, we're pretty comfortable, quite honestly, when you compare us to the rest of the world. And, and yet, the world is in a crisis. And the world needs good seed. The world that my wife and I minister to basically looks like this. 68% of the people in the majority world 
which is Latin America, Africa, Asia, and the Middle East, are not Christians. 7,000 Christians last year were martyred. 150,000 children are living on the streets. The average pay is less than $2 a day. And 85% of the pastors around the world are totally untrained. The nation that we live in has its challenges. You know what some of them are. And we are in great need. My neighborhood is in great need of good seed. And uh, I live in essentially uh, the, the United Nations of, the, of our neighborhood. Next door to me, there's there an Asian family. Two doors down, there's a Hispanic family. Across the street, there's an African family. Four doors down, there's an Indian family. And about six doors down, there's an Arab family. We have a great opportunity within our own neighborhood to sow good seed. The relationships that I have are in great need of good seed. Most of my family, extended family, know Christ now, but many of them do not. And it's part of my grave, grave concern that as, the, as our family matures and gets older, that God give me an opportunity to sow good seed in their lives and see them come to know Jesus Christ as well. This morning, since we're talking about good seed, we obviously are going to be talking about bad seed as well. And, and I'd like for you, if you brought your Bibles, to turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. And we're going to look at a very familiar passage of Scripture. It's called the parable of the sower. Now, as I uh, read this passage of Scripture, I want you to just imagine that Jesus is sitting on a hillside with a lot of people around him. His disciples are all there. And, and I can just envision that what happened was Jesus looked out over the landscape and he saw, and he saw a farmer planting a field. And he was probably doing this, you know, uh, uh, along his little plot. That's generally how they sowed seed in Israel at this time. And then he starts sharing this parable from Matthew 13. And we'll start reading in verse 4. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was gathering the seed, some fell on the path. And the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly, but the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because there was no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. And still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. And then let's jump down to verse 18. 
the disciples asked for an explanation of this parable. And you have to remember that they had probably been with Jesus maybe a year and a half to two years, and they were in their come and, come and be with me stage and watching everything that Jesus did because Jesus was preparing them to sow good seed. And so they asked the question, so Lord, what does this parable mean? And he says, listen to what the parable means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, what was sown in their hearts. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble and persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke out the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Now, even though this is a very familiar passage of Scripture, I like to look at it perhaps through new eyes. Many times we look at this and we study in depth the kinds of soil that Jesus was talking about, which is very important, and we're going to talk about that in a second. But I really think that the, a large reason that Jesus taught this parable was for his disciples, who are going to be those sowers, and who are going to plant that good seed. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But for now, let's just take a look at that soil. The first kind of soil, what kind of soil is it? It's the soil that falls, it's the, it's the soil where the seed falls on the path. Now, this path is basically uh, the kind of path that just, you know, it runs through the, probably through the garden. All of us who are gardeners, we you know, we have these paths, right? You know, and we put seed there and nothing would grow because the ground is so hard. I remember when I was in high school in Texas, I had to walk to high school and, um, and I used to want to, you know, cut off a little time. So, you know, I would walk across this farmer's wheat field. And, um, you know, I started walking across it in uh, September or whatever. And, you know, there wasn't any wheat there. And, you know, I thought, well, this is pretty good. So, and I'd walk the same path all the time and back and forth, back and forth every day. And then, you know, eventually the farmer came and he planted wheat. Well, you know, I, we had worn, my friends and I had walked that path and we had worn down the ground pretty good. And, you know, and there was whatever wheat seed was falling on that path. We just walked right on it, you know. And pretty soon there wasn't any wheat uh, growing on that path. And so, and the wheat would get high, you know, and, and we could see our path. When the wheat was high, because there was no wheat growing in that path. And we did that for a good while until the farmer finally put up a, a sign that said, Stay out of my field. <laughs> and so we stopped going, had to go along the long way around. But the soil on this kind of 
this kind of soil is, represents the heart of the man who is not really interested. Maybe he's not interested because uh, life is just too busy. Maybe he's fearful. Maybe he's prejudiced. We don't really know, but you know, some of the seed Jesus tells his disciples is going to fall on the path. And then other seed falls in the shallow ground. And the thing we need to understand is that in Israel, topsoil is not real deep. It's pretty shallow, and it sits on a, uh, on a bedrock of limestone. And so the seed can go and root, but as the scripture says, when the sun comes out, it's scorched, and then it dies. Now the heart of these kind of people are the people who don't really understand the word, and uh, they don't have any grasp of the commitment that the Word of God has on their lives. And then we've got the third kind of soil. It's the thorny soil. And, you know, the people, this kind of person, hears the Word, accepts the Word, but the challenge is it's just another part of his life. Like work, going to church, family, And when the cares and worries of the world come, they choke out the seed. It started as good seed, but the worries of the world came in and choked it out. And then Jesus tells the disciples about the good soil. And he says, oh, by the way, now there's going to be some good soil. It's going to fall on good soil. It's going to take root and you know, it's going to yield a hundred or sixty or thirty times what was planted. Now, this is the kind of soil that my wife and I have the privilege to minister in all the time. Because one of the wonderful things that we observe when we're training is that these pastors, these women, have a tremendous hunger for the Word of God. In fact, so much that they will be writing down Every word the translator is saying, if we're in, uh, in a country where they speak Spanish. And, I mean, they'll even raise their hands and say, can you please slow down? I missed that. You know? And this kind of soil is the kind of soil that my wife and I just really love ministering in. But let's look at the parable from that other perspective. You know, Jesus was talking to his disciples. You know, if you look at the Gospels and look at it from the standpoint of the disciples, you know, there were some discouraging times for the disciples. And I think what Jesus was doing here, he was saying, because this is a parable of the sower, right? He was saying to them, listen, you're going to sow good seed. But only 25% of it is going to fall on the right kind of soil. But don't be discouraged. Because that 25% is going to yield 100 or 60 or 30. And I think that has a lot to say to us. As we're out there trying to sow good seed. You know, sometimes... We all get discouraged by sowing good seed because we, we see it fall on not so good soil. I get discouraged. Last year I was in Africa and 
one of the pastors that we had trained was not there. And so I asked one of the other men uh, why he wasn't there. And he said, well, well, he isn't here because uh, we didn't invite him this year. He's been abusing his wife and uh, his children, and, uh, and um, he's not doing things that he ought to be doing. And so we didn't invite him this year. I was extremely discouraged. I mean, it was hard to hear that a pastor we've been training had kind of fallen away from what we knew he could be doing. But the Lord reminded me of this parable. And even though that pastor had fallen out of ministry and had got involved in a lifestyle that was so corrupt, there were all these other pastors who were so hungry for the word and so needy. And the Lord reminded me, Steve, it's still okay. 25% of what you're doing is, is going to take root. And it really encouraged me. And I want to encourage you. Many of you are involved in ministry. Some of you are involved in ministry full time. Some of you are involved in the church here. Uh, You're involved in ministry outside the church. And you may be discouraged. The parable of the sower is for you. And for me. Because that seed that we sow is going to fall on good soil. Now, there's another parable in Matthew 13 where the story isn't so exciting. It's Matthew 13, verses 24 to 30. And I'd like for us to look at that parable. It's called the parable of the weeds and the wheat. Or I like to say, the bad seed and the good seed. It's basically the parable, Jesus telling a parable about uh, a man who sowed good seed and, and uh, the wheat was coming up and, and, um, and then all of a sudden they noticed that this weed seed was coming up as well. And so his servants say to him, to the master, say, didn't we sow good seed here? What's the deal? You know? And he says, an enemy came and sowed this bad seed. And, and that's exactly what happened. And so they say, well, should we take out the bad seed? And he said, no, let it grow together. And then when it's harvested, we'll separate it. We'll separate the good from the bad. And Jesus goes on to explain that the bad seed are the children of the evil one. And the good seed is the word of God. Now, it's real important for us to keep this in mind because, you know, when we're out there sowing good seed, we also recognize that there are some people out there who are sowing bad seed. And then there are also some people out there who are sowing seed, uh, bad seed, but they don't even know they're sowing bad seed. 
Now, maybe Jesus had the scribes and Pharisees uh, in mind whenever he uh, told this parable. If you look uh, a few chapters uh, earlier, Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for all of their legalism. And essentially, when you get right down to it, the Pharisees were actually sowing bad seed. They thought they were doing the right thing, but, you know, they were really sowing bad seed. And in chapter 23 of Matthew, if we had time to go there, he gives his most scathing condemnation of the scribes and the Pharisees, and he uses seven woe to you statements. And, you know, it's a very, very scathing passage of Scripture to read whenever you look at it from the standpoint of sowing bad seed. Well, the point of the parable is that bad seed gets sown in with good seed, and and Jesus at the harvest is going to separate the good seed from the bad seed. And Jesus says, let the seed grow together. And notice Jesus didn't say, oh, we got to stop. You know, we're not, we can't, we, we just can't throw good seed anymore. He doesn't say that. He says, keep sowing the good seed. And we learn a lot of things from this parable. We learn, first of all, that there's always going to be hostility to the Word of God. Wherever we are. Always. Sometimes it's hard to distinguish good seed from bad seed. And they grow together sometimes. And that judgment is coming and God is the only wise judge. And he's the only one that can separate good seed from the bad seed. So, what does the good seed of the Word of God look like? Well, first of all, it looks like the Word of God growing in your life and in mine. Because the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, rightly dividing the soul and the spirit. And it will accomplish whatever it is sent to accomplish. And our lives are a testimony of the kind of seed that is growing in us. And that seed cannot help but come out. One of the uh, foundational verses in our ministry is Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. It simply says this, Guard your heart well. For out of it flows the issues of life. In other words, whatever's on the inside is going to come out as either good seed or bad seed. And our lives are a wonderful opportunity and testimony to the people that are looking at us, maybe judging us. And that's the reason Paul spends so much time talking about how to live. So that we might be able to not only grow to become more and more like Christ, but so that we can sow that good seed in the world and have it return to Him the way that He meant it to return to Him. Well, you know, it may seem trite, but we are the only Bible some people are ever going to read. And 
86% of all Muslims, Hindus, and Buddhists have never, never met a Christian. They need to see our lives sowing good seed because our lives are going to have an impact. They really do. And the things that are in the inside are going to come out as good seed or as bad seed. I'm reminded of a song that came out in probably the early 70s, dating myself a little bit. Some of you are probably under 30, have never heard it. Some of you who are over 30 probably remember it. It's a powerful song. It's written by Cat Stevens. It's called The Cats in the Cradle. Do you remember that song? That's a powerful song about the impact of our life on our children's lives and the lives of other people. The last verse of that song, uh, well, the, the whole song is basically about uh, a, a man who's, uh, who's a father and, and his son wants to, uh, to play ball and he doesn't have time to do it. And, you know, and his dad makes all kinds of excuses that he can't do it. And then, you know, he goes away to college and he comes back and the dad finally kind of says, hey, I'd like to spend some time with my son. And the son says, well, dad, I'd like to, but I'd really like to borrow the car keys. You know, can I have them, please? And then the last uh, stanza of that song just simply says this, kind of encapsulates what our life really needs to look like and, and the impact that our life has. He says, I've long since retired and my son's moved away. I called him up just the other day and I said, I'd like to see you if you don't mind. He said, I'd love to, Dad, if I could find the time. You see, my job's a hassle and my kids got the flu. But sure nice talking to you, Dad. It's sure nice talking to you. And then he says, as I hung up the phone, it occurred to me he'd grown up just like me. A boy was just like me. Now, that's the impact of our life. Not only on our family, but on the world, and as we sow good seed. And, and not only is our life a testimony of good seed or bad seed, but our words are uh, a testimony of good seed or not so good seed. And there was a story once that uh, a, a man had started a very malicious rumor about a pastor. It was untrue. And after about a year, uh, and his ministry was ruined, and uh, the man felt convicted. So he went back to the pastor and he said, Please, pastor, um, I, please forgive me. Uh, is there something I can do you know, to make up for it? And the pastor you know, went to the house and got a feather pillow, and he sliced the feather pillow open, and he flew open the pillow. And all those feathers just went all over. And the wind carried them wherever. And he said, Now, go get all of the feathers and bring them back to me. 
Well, we all realize that he couldn't have gathered all those feathers. You see, his, the, his words had damaged the pastor to the degree that he had lost his ministry. And our words are good seed or bad seed. And our attitudes, if we have an attitude of arrogance or the lack of grace, people are going to pick up on that. We're not going to be sowing the right kind of seed that will produce wonderful flowers and, and fruit and all the things that we know uh, need to be produced. So here's the bottom line. The bottom line is, what will I do when it comes to sowing good seed? How do I start? Well, the first place I think to start is to pray for a heart to sow good seed. To pray for a heart to sow good seed. Now we're already commissioned uh, to make disciples in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. It, uh, Jesus gave us that direction. But we may not be very passionate about it. Or we may, may be afraid to do it. But I want to remind all of us as Paul reminded Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. If we had time this morning, I'd share my, my very first experience after coming to Christ, sharing the gospel. And, uh, and uh, surprisingly enough, uh, the guy came to Christ. But the next day, uh, he came back and he said, my pastor said, all those things you said were not true. Well, that put a little bit of fear in me. Who am I? I'm just a young Christian. I mean, this guy's pastor says it's not right. And I, didn't, I didn't stop believing the word, but it made me fearful for a while. But then I realized, you know, some of the seed that I sow is going to fall on rocky soil or shallow soil. So start by praying for a heart to sow good seed and sow that seed where you live. Your testimony to your family is extremely powerful. And I know that many of you are believers and, and your unbelieving family members are watching and and I know that it's extremely difficult to share with our own family. But I can tell you that by my own experience, some of you heard my testimony last night, that it is possible to live a changed life in front of your family. And they begin to want what you want. So don't give up. Share with your family. Sow those seeds at work, at school, with your friends. Pray for an opportunity to sow those good seeds. Impact your nation. And sow in the world. Sow good seed by going on a mission trip. 55% of Americans don't have a passport. But I can tell you that if you go on a mission trip, it's going to change your whole perspective about the world and about what Jesus Christ is doing in the world. 
you will be amazed at how God is involved in a culture that's very different than our own. But I also know that some of us aren't called. But I have to say to you that you can also sow good seed by supporting missionaries, by praying for them, by encouraging them, getting involved in their ministry. Uh, A year ago, one of the churches that supports my wife and I uh, in Missouri called us and they said, hey, we want to start praying for you twice a month. Well, we were thrilled. Now, we love it when people say to us, hey, we're going to pray for you. So they began praying for us twice a month. Then they called us up a couple months later and they said, we've been praying for you and we're just wondering, is there anything tangible that we can do? And my wife got on the phone. She said, yeah, there is really. We need uh, pencils and pens and note cards and and, you know, stuff like that to pass out to our pastors. And if you can collect some of this stuff, we'd be thrilled. And so they began collecting. And they collected, and they collected, and they collected. And they sent us about 30 pounds of school supplies that we're still distributing. And it was such an encouragement to us that they would get involved in our ministry in such a tangible way. And, and this church has a lot of missionaries, and you can get involved in their ministry in a lot of ways. And your part And encouraging and supporting missionaries is just as important as their part is in sowing good seeds in the front line. Because in 1 Samuel chapter 30, King David is coming back from a battle that he just won against the Amalekites. And, you know, you you have the guys on the front line, and then you have the guys who are all at the, you know, in the back. And manning all the supplies, right? David says to his generals, we're going to give as much of the um, resources that we collect to the people that man the supply lines as we're going to do for the people on the front line. The general didn't like that very much, but David said, no, they deserve as much reward as those in the front line. And you know, I think about that and I say to myself, I've never been to China, but we support a Chinese missionary. And, you know, God is blessing us by sowing good seed through that missionary in China. Just like he's going to bless you and sowing good seed wherever you go. You know, our sowing of the seed doesn't end with us, though. Because the seed that you sow, that plants, that gets, uh, grows 100 or 30 or 60 fold, is going to continue to grow. And hopefully, that seed is going to be harvested and reproduced. We have a good friend in Africa. His name is Julius. Julius is a wonderful brother uh, in Christ. He's a pastor there. Um, he's one of these guys that is uh, doing this full time, doesn't have a job, another job, uh, makes about $2 a day, and 
uh, but yet is very, very faithful and very hungry. And we were in Africa last year, and Julius was sitting in the back, uh, and we hadn't had a chance to greet each other. So at the break, he comes forward, and you know we we hug each other and say, "Hey, man, so good to see you." And and he brought a young man with him, and his name is Jonathan. And he said, "Pastor Steve, I'd like to introduce you to Jonathan. Uh, he's your great grandson. Uh, my great grandson. Uh, that's." Uh, you better explain that to me, Julius. <laughs> he says, well, I consider you my spiritual father. I was, complete, I was very honored that he would even say that. And he said, I took the material that you, that you brought and I trained your grandson, which I have not met yet. And your grandson actually trained your great-grandson. I said, oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm floating off the floor now. And he said, but it's not over. The story's not over. He said, your great-grandson has begun training other pastors as well. Now, I don't tell you that, say, how good Steve is. It's an illustration of how good seed that gets planted can be reproduced and reproduced and reproduced. And it's all about what God is going to do when we plant good seed. We are all servants. And it doesn't matter whether or not I'm a full-time missionary or you're a volunteer. That doesn't matter at all. What really matters is, is a seed being sown. And Paul was trying to deal with this over in 1 Corinthians. You know, Corinthians uh, had a real challenge there in the church and several challenges and Paul uh, was commenting in chapter 3 he said you know I know some of you are saying that you're of you're of Apollos and you're of Paul but you know really he said who are we no we're just servants you know Paul planted Apollos watered but God made it grow God made it grow. You know, our sowing is all about God. And in closing, I want to share about Old Thomas. Old Thomas was uh, a a man of God, and uh, he was very, very old. And uh, he knew very, very few people. He had outlived most of the people in his church. And Old Thomas was just... You know, great saint, but wasn't well known by the church. And then he died. Well, there was one man in the church who felt an obligation, even though he didn't really know old Thomas all that much, to go to his funeral and then go to the graveside. So he did that. He followed the casket out to the cemetery. And, uh, and waiting at the cemetery, there was a, a man, a well-dressed man. Had a big you know, trench coat uh, over his uh, uh, because it was cold, and and they both walked out to the graveside, and um, and the the one guy with the big trench coat snapped to attention and saluted old Thomas, and you know it was pretty unusual, and uh, and then they walked away together, and 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 as they were walking away together, the wind came and blew. Uh, that man's coat opened it to reveal that he was a brigadier, brigadier general. 
And he said, I guess you're kind of curious about why I came today. And um, I came to honor and salute old Thomas. He said, you see, when I was young, he was my Sunday school teacher and and I was pretty wild. And I'm pretty sure old Thomas didn't think he got through to me. But he said, you know, I owe everything. I am to him, and I just came to salute him today. Thomas never knew the impact that he had sowing that good seed over and over every Sunday in that Brigadier General's life. But good seed was sown. I want to close by sharing a video with you that is extremely, extremely important for all of us to see. It talks about the emergency that's in the world and how we have a part to play in solving the problems of the world by sowing good seed. Before we show it, I just want to pray for you. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for just the privilege we have today to sow good seed. It makes the world a different place. Help us not to be discouraged when seed falls on bad soil. It helps to always keep in mind that some seed is going to fall on good soil and yield 160 or 30 times. And Father, I pray that you will give all of us eyes to see where, so, where the seed needs to be planted or where it needs to be watered. And we give you the results. We give you all the praise and the glory for harvesting good seed that you've called us to plant. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.